everyone, and welcome into another episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Happy Monday. Thanks for kicking off your week with us here. I am Michael Beller, joined today by Jake Seeley. Jake, what's going on? Ah, getting closer to the season. That's all that matters, right? <laughs> that is all that matters. Uh, a season that seems like uh, things are headed in as good of a direction as they could possibly be at this stage right now. So uh, that definitely feels good. We're going to get some padded practices next week. Hopefully, along with those padded practices, will come the news that we're used to seeing not only this time of year, but even a few weeks earlier. Obviously, training camps in a normal year would have been not only ha- having gone on, but wrapped up. We are still waiting for what we would normally refer to as training camp to get going in this summer, but we are excited for that to get here. There was some big news that broke very late last week, Friday night uh, in Washington. We're going to start this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast with that news. Of course, I am referring to Darius Geis, released by the Washington football team after his arrest on charges of domestic violence. That makes a big change in the Washington backfield right now. I think we have to assume that Adrian Peterson is the odds-on favorite to at least be the starter at the beginning of the season. There are some intriguing names in that backfield. Of course, we've got Antonio Gibson and Bryce Love. Also, a few uh, filler guys in J.D. McKissick and Peyton Barber. But it is a big change in that Washington backfield just about one month out from the start of the season. How do you look at the situation now, Jake? Oh, it's a mess, honestly. Like, And I have a feeling... It's just going to be similar to the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, where I was the person that was, well, not the only person, but I was accused of being too high on somebody, and I'm going to be too high on Antonio Gibson, and now I'm going to be the voice of reason, because <laughs> it, it just honestly went from, like, I updated my projections and rankings, and Antonio Gibson comes in at RB42, and he didn't move that much, uh, really what the boost was to Adrian Peterson and Bryce Love, because... You know, you get the pushback from Antonio Gibson. People are like, oh, he only had blank carries in college. He was never like a featured running back. It's, but, you know, that's not who he is. And there's been other running backs like Tony Pollard didn't have a ton of run in college. Like, that doesn't always matter for everything. So don't get hung up in the touches. But we should just hung up in the talent. And the talent was always going to be a threat to this backfield. Uh, he was going to see some work. We saw what they said about comparing him to Christian McCaffrey, which kind of got, got tired because I think he, they compared, what, like five guys to Christian McCaffrey. So they just love <laughs> making that comparison. But the usage will be there. He'll be used in the running game. He won't be the lead option. He'll be used a couple times. He'll be used a couple times in the passing game. I would just kind of think of him as, put it this way, he's Austin Eckler with like a third of the carries. So that's why he's like RB3, 4. And yes, he has upside for more if he takes over this backfield, but I don't even think if he took over it would be anything more than Austin Eckler where somebody else would still be sprinkled in if it's Adrian Peterson just to a much lesser degree. But I think the intriguing one to watch is Bryce Love. Last year when they drafted him, now it's a completely different regime. People need to remember that. Like, you know, we're talking about Antonio Gibson was drafted by Ron Rivera. Uh, Bryce Love wasn't. But Bryce Love at the time was supposed to be the Chris Thompson replacement. He's supposedly healthy, although we haven't heard a lot of him. Have you noticed that? And now they have Peyton Barber in the mix, which Peyton Barber is nothing special. But I just feel like it's going to be frustrating for a while. Yeah, you actually echo a sentiment of Ben Standig, our Washington team beat reporter. Derek and I had him on Fantasy Football in 15 on Monday morning. And he, when talking about Bryce Love, said he passed his physical and that's great. 
but we haven't actually seen him. So we can't be sure just how, not only how healthy he is, but if he's still able to do um, the things that he did do at Stanford before the injuries that uh, have slowed his NFL career to this point. It should be pointed out, though, 2017, uh, had he come out after that year, I think his NFL career would look a lot different to this point. <laughs> yeah. 2,118 yards and 19 touchdowns on the ground that year at Stanford. This is one of the best running backs in the country before the injuries hit him. Uh, when we were talking to Ben, Jake, he did say that Adrian Peterson's probably your odds-on favorite for at least the first four weeks of the season, if not maybe a little bit longer, and then he does expect the other guys, Gibson, Love, to get worked in a little bit more as the season goes on. Uh, isolating for NFFC drafts just since last Saturday, so obviously not a huge sample. We did see Adrian Peterson's ADP bump up to RB53. Before that, he was way down at RB67. 152.6 was the overall ADP on Adrian Peterson. So what, that's about the end of the 13th round or so in 12-team leagues. That sound like a fair price to you for him? Yeah, and I would go higher. Like I said, I have him at RB43. And I, like nitpicky there, but RB43 is before Keyshawn Vaughn and before Duke Johnson and Naheem Hines. And people know I'm a, I'm a fan of Naheem Hines, but he's the lead option, and he's the lead option to start the season. And Antonio Gibson, whether or not he's great to start week one, again, I just go back to, Antonio Gibson is not going to be 20 touches a game. He's never going to be in that mold. That's just not who he is. You know, for comparison in my rankings, I have Antonio Gibson for 110 carries and Adrian Peterson for 182. But Antonio Gibson does a hell of a lot more in the passing game. And that's where, you know, that's where the value is going to come. So, yes, Antonio Gibson should be drafted much earlier. But Adrian Peterson essentially is kind of like, I don't want to call him a steal. You know what he is? He's just like Frank Gore from the past two years, too. Not last year, the two years before last year, where he was, you know what? Fine, I'll take him and I'll plug him in my flex. And, you know, okay, he's going to get me nine points and nine points and nine points. And that's going to be about it. Never going to be that great. Never going to be that exciting. But he's going to be there. And I will say one thing, and I I don't want to say this because it's partly negative. I'm still like trying to remain 100% positive and like, yes, we're going to get 16 games in. But if you're thinking about this, like just as an overall strategy for this year, like this is a lot of the this Adrian Peterson are the players that we usually ignore and be like, forget it. He's going to lose his job. Let's draft Antonio Gibson because he will have the job. The Marlon Mack situation, which we talked about on Wednesday's show, like Marlon Mack, maybe the lead. Maybe we wait and Jonathan Taylor takes over by week five. What if there's only a 10 game season? Well, now you're losing all that. Like you, you sh- the more value is when those first four games with somebody you could trust. So I would say, you know what? Hey, at least for the first couple of weeks, you know that Adrian Peterson is going to be the lead guy. Yeah, and stubbornly productive is the way that I referred to him on that fantasy football <laughs> in 15 show the last two years, right? It's like we almost, and God, this is going to sound mean, but this is the first way I thought of it. And I don't mean it like that because Adrian Peterson is a hell of a talent and has been so much fun to watch the last 13, 14 years of his career. But it's almost like we've wanted him to go away these last couple seasons, really <laughs> dating back to his say. time in New Orleans, right? But he just, he won't do it. 2018, his first year with Washington, 1,042 yards and seven touchdowns. Last year, 898 yards, five touchdowns. Obviously, nowhere near what he used to be, but the guy can still get it done on this very limited basis. And you have to believe that if he is given an opportunity to start, which 
Can't imagine he won't be for at least the first month of the season, assuming the first month of the season happens when we expect it to happen. Uh, he's going to be, or at least we have to expect him to be this you know, low four yards per carry sort of guy who gets himself plenty of volume, uh, has a, a total stranglehold on the goal line work, and is relatively successful at the goal line as well. So definitely someone uh, to be thinking about early on or earlier on than you expected for the early part of the season. Uh, let's just really quick touch on these other guys' ADPs. And again, this is just since Saturday in NFFC League, so we're not dealing with a huge number of drafts. But we have seen um, uh, Antonio Gibson bump up from RB58 to RB48. We've seen Bryce Love jump up from RB114, so essentially not drafted, <laughs> not to RB65. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, those are he- pretty big jumps for both of them relative to to where they once were. How do those prices sound to you? Uh, still discounted a little bit. Like I said, Antonio Gibson, I have at 42. Bryce Love, I have at 53. So Bryce Love, I have in the mix with Tony Pollard, Anthony McFarlane, Justin Jackson, Josh Kelly, DeAndre Washington, like these backup options. And probably those are, you could argue a little bit better because if something were to happen, like McFarlane is probably going to see a bigger workload than Bryce Love and whatever it might be. But the mm-hmm. biggest thing is Bryce Love, if something happens to one person, he still has two more people to deal with. Like, we assume Peyton Barber is probably not going to be a factor, but if something were to happen to Adrian Peterson, Peyton Barber would step into that role as like you know the, the early down, short yardage kind of guy. Like Bryce's love, like Bryce Love's role, I don't see becoming like we'll put it this way, like Joshua Kelly. Like I like Joshua Kelly more than Justin Jackson. That's up for debate. Whether you want to debate that or not, that's that's out there. Yeah, you know what? I'll throw him out because that's going to you know people are going to push back too much, and I like this guy more than the other. So let's go back <laughs> to t- Tony Pollard. If Ezekiel Elliott gets hurt, Tony Pollard's a top fifteen running back. Like. If Antonio Gibson and Adrian Peterson get hurt, I don't see Bryce Love being a top 15 running back. Like, I still think he would fall into the RB2 range. So I would bump them both up, but I think that's kind of the range you have to think about is Bryce Love is kind of that he's going to be a complimentary timeshare piece to a backfield and could have terrific value as an RB2, but that's probably where he caps out. Whereas if something were to happen and maybe Antonio Gibson shocks us, Antonio Gibson could be in that top 15 conversation. So that's why you see Gibson going earlier. Uh, But those prices jumped a hell of a lot, but they still should jump a little bit more. At Washington backfield, certainly going to be one to watch. It will be very interesting once we do get these 14 padded practices from every team just to see how these guys are working, where they're working, who they're working with, all of that. This is going to be one of the more intriguing situations to watch as we work ourselves into the back end of draft season. Last week on our two episodes that we did together, Jake also with our buddy Brandon Funston, who is on vacation, so enjoy Brandon. We talked about some of the Flex League's drafts. We talked specifically about the Snake Draft and the Auction. Today, we are going to talk about the two Super Flex Leagues to get an overview of Super Flex League strategy. But first... Interest rates have hit record lows, which means it's probably a great time to refinance your student loans and see if you can lower your monthly payment. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple years, odds are you can reduce your payment and save by refinancing with earnest. Even if you've refinanced before with today's low rate environment, most people can save by refinancing again. Checking your new rate is fast and easy. To start, complete a few questions online. It takes only two minutes, and then you'll get personalized rate estimates without affecting your credit score. Want to change your monthly payment? Combine many loans into one easy payment or get a better rate? Earnest makes it easy. No origination fees, and the internet loves Earnest customer service. They're rated at a 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. Now you can get $100 in a cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with Earnest if you go to earnest.com throwback. Once again, 
$100 as a cash bonus when you refi your student loan at earnest.com slash throwback. Visit earnest.com slash throwback for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Earnest student loan refinance loans are made by Earnest Operations LLC NMLS number 1204917, California Financing Law, license number 6054788, 303 2nd Street, Suite 401N, San Francisco, California, 94107. Visit earnest.com licenses for a full list of licensed states. All right, Jake, so let's get on to these Superflex leagues. I was in one of them, calling it Superflex Do because it was the second one. Our buddy DVR was in the first one, Superflex 1. We're not necessarily going to look at them or break down Meyer DVR's team and look at them pick by pick or anything like that, but rather we're going to look at Superflex strategy. And I think the most important place to look at when we're talking about this is at the quarterback position. Running backs, wide receivers, of course they remain very important, but you're not really changing your rankings, right, for the running backs. Running backs are still running backs. Receivers are still receivers. Tight ends are still tight ends. Quarterbacks are much different in super flex leagues. They carry a whole lot more weight. I know you and I both prefer this format, so let's really get into it. Uh, Some similarities between these two leagues. We had Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson go in the top five in both. Lamar went second in the first one, fourth in the second one, I might have those reversed. Second in the second one, second in Superflex <laughs> 2, fourth in Superflex 1. Patrick Mahomes went fifth in both, so no uh, no worries there about mixing up which is which. Both of them had five quarterbacks off the board in the first two rounds, those five being Lamar Mahomes, Dak, Russ, and Kyler Murray. A sixth, Deshaun Watson in both, goes off the board early in the third round. So a lot of QB similarities with the top tier, maybe the top two tiers is how we really refer to these six quarterbacks. Uh, Jake, you were not in either of these drafts, but when you look at that, does that feel right in your super flex leagues? Is that sort of how you're going to be looking at it? Lamar and Mahomes, top five guys, the rest of the top class of quarterbacks as you know, mid-second, late-second, early third-round picks? Yeah, this is, well, one, is surprising that it was the exact same five, and then both of them, Lamar Jackson, went first. That was kind of interesting that everybody is just, and I, I mean, I do have Lamar Jackson as my number one quarterback, but I just would think some people out there would take Patrick Mahomes before them. Uh, it's funny that the cutoff, too, is number five, because that's what right. it feels like in a super flex. I mean, it's, you know, the entire point of a super flex is to bring back the value, but not force the two quarterback for buys, because if you think about it, mm-hmm. 12 team, two quarterbacks, that means you already come out of the draft with six teams that doesn't have a team doesn't have a quarterback to start the year in their bye. Like you need injuries, you need waivers, so you have that. Let alone something might happen to your own team. It's just that's why you do super flex versus two quarterback. Now, if you want to do two quarterback and eight team, of course, go ahead and do it. Anyway, I just want to throw that as an aside, um, and that's why we talk about super flex so much versus two quarterback. But I think this is right because you know I'm one of the people that I will take the big. Four and my big so it's funny. I actually had this debate with somebody in my rankings. He actually asked the question, and then I said, "No, that's how I have it." He's like, "Why is the big four not considered the big five, and why is Dalvin Cook not?" I was like, "Actually, my big four is Dalvin Cook. I almost have Kamara in this like world of his own. Like I go big four, Kamara just sitting there by himself, and then everybody else at running back." So I'm saying I would go big four. I would go McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, and Cook, and then Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. So that fifth pick. Um, Just because it's tough to find running back. And then as you see in this draft, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott are probably there for you anyway on the way back. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're looking at. Like you said, those top two tiers are going to be in the first two rounds. And then once you hit round three, I was surprised round three was so quiet in both of them. I think nobody wants to jump into that next tier immediately. But as soon as it's broken – around 
w- round four, four through eight, nine, start being like quarterback crazy. Yeah, we saw that especially in the first one, right? Because then you're going to have uh, Matt Ryan, Josh Allen. Those are the guys who typically lead off that next group of uh, of quarterbacks. And in fact, these two drafts had the exact same one through eight quarterback <laughs> selections. Uh, actually, Dak and Dak and Russell, or no, Russell and Kyler Murray were flipped in them. But you had Lamar going first in both, Mahomes second, Dak third. Then Russ went fourth and one, fifth in the other, and Kyler fourth and one, fifth in the other. Deshaun Watson, sixth, Josh Allen, seventh, <laughs> Matt Ryan, eighth. And then once those Josh Allen, Matt Ryan picks happen, you do sort of see the quarterback floodgates opening because no one wants to get left out. Right. That's the big thing about a super flex. Like you can't get left out of the quarterback position. You don't want to be starting two guys who are you know QB 15 and QB 23 every <laughs> single Chris. week. It just feels <laughs> exactly. And we're going to talk about some of those teams in a second. But we do have that next group of quarterbacks and this is an interesting one to figure out because like you said no one wants to be the first person to break that especially when you're looking at the wide receivers and the backs that are coming off the board there so just as an example uh, our pal DVR took Deshaun Watson at 3.01 in Superflex 1 then you didn't have quarterbacks going for an entire round and change and the players who are coming off the board in that range DeAndre Hopkins Todd Gurley Chris Carson George Kittle Chris Godwin Aaron Jones Mike Evans some really big names same goes for Superflex too we saw Deshaun Watson go at 3.04 in that one then the next group of players Allen Robinson Chris Godwin Kenny Galladay Mike Evans Todd Gurley Mark Andrews then we get Josh Allen but Juju Smith-Schuster DJ Moore Chris Carson again you get the picture there's a lot of big names so when do you know to say when? When is the right time to pull the trigger on that next group of quarterbacks? <laughs> so it's kind of twofold. Is one is know who you're drafting with. Uh, that's the real tell here because this is, for everybody listening, if you're just getting to Superflex, because I don't want to make it sound like I'm being condescending because I'm not just legitimately trying to help people, but like if you've never done Superflex or two quarterback and you're listening to the draft we're talking about, I don't think you'd be able to wait as much as you did in this draft. Like your average super flex league probably sees Kyler or Dak maybe even to sneak into the first round. And if they don't, I would almost bet money that Kyler, Dak, and Russell Wilson go, but Sean Watson might sneak into the second. Josh Allen, Matt Ryan move up into the third, along with a mix of Brady, Wentz, Breeze. Like some of those are going to start sprinkling in the fourth. So. Look at these drafts, but I would almost bump up the quarterbacks to like a half round earlier. Mm-hmm. I think half round's a good – I mean, there's a lot of leagues that will take Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes one-on-one, like just because they don't want to be left out. And I think that's the tell is like, one, know your league, but two, when you think you might be on the verge of getting left out, that's probably the right time to jump in. Because, yes, we can sit here and look – like DVRs is a perfect example. We can sit here and look at DVRs and be like, look – he took Sean Watson 301. Not a single quarterback went for the rest of the third round. Uh, Josh Allen was the first in the fourth round, two picks later. But Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers go bam, 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 bam in four picks in a row. Carson Wentz goes. So if he would have waited, Tom Brady, which he took at 501, would have been his first quarterback. And if he doubled down, he would have been Tom Brady, Baker, Tom Brady, Stafford, Tom Brady, Daniel Jones. And he probably feels a lot better about Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, than that mix. So... It's really kind of trying to it's, – it's tough because there's no set, and I think you'll agree with me, Mike, because you do a lot of – so for everybody out there, just put up a one today about going quarterback, quarterback early in the super flex on the site. Um, you're doing a lot of that for the draft kit this year, but you you don't want to be left out, but you do have to read the room, and that's the thing is you have mm-hmm. to read the room and understanding. Like Even if you are going to wait, you have to kind of say, all right, once 
that group of Rodgers and Breeze, once that once that group gets broken, somebody breaks the egg, you probably need to jump in because if you don't, you're going to be waiting for that next group, and then you're going to be like, oh, do I wait for that next group? And then you wait again, and then you end up like Elliot Chris, who we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's true. It is totally, and I think that's a, that's a great way to put it, that once that group gets broken, you really don't want to miss out on being part of that group. And we'll throw the links to both of these in the description. If you're already listening and you're like, I want to see these drafts, I want to see these drafts, go back to the show description. You can pull up both of these drafts with the links are sitting in there. Um, let's talk about that quarterback, quarterback, because we did have one team across these two drafts, one out of 24 teams that went quarterback, quarterback to start things off. It was uh, Chris Welsh and the Bogman. Uh, they went uh, in the, they had the second pick in the Superflex due. They took Lamar Jackson there. Christian McCaffrey went one to our pal Andy Barons at Yahoo. Then they grab Lamar Jackson at pick number two. Coming back to them in the second round, even though they had Lamar already on the board, Travis Kelsey, DeAndre Hopkins, George Kittle, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, all those guys available, they say no thank you, and they go Russell Wilson. So they start off the draft with Lamar and Russell Wilson, two of the fantasy industry's consensus top five quarterbacks from there. Leonard Fournette, Jonathan Taylor, Le'Veon Bell, Terry McLaurin, Stephon Diggs, and Julian Edelman rounding out their first eight picks, so about the top half of their team. Um, how do you feel about that strategy? I did write about it in uh, on the site today, so if you want to check out that column, you can uh, go ahead and feel free to do so. I think there's a lot of merit to it this season, but I already know what I think, and people <laughs> can read what I think. I want to hear what you think about going QBQB this season. See, I, I would never go QBQB just because of what you leave on the board. Like, we're talking about Leonard Fournette's their number one running back. And, we'll, I mean, it, let's just throw Leonard Fournette aside and say, not even Leonard Fournette. For me, Chris Carson, who went later than that, it would be I'd take Chris Carson over Leonard Fournette. So yeah. I'd take Chris Carson as my number one running back. Well, now you have Jonathan Taylor as your rookie. Do we wait a few weeks? Does he turn into Miles Sanders? Maybe it's eight weeks. And if you don't take Jonathan Taylor, well, you take David Montgomery. Take David Johnson. Like Just huge question marks. Le'Veon Bell, as much as I don't like him, that was a nice value in the fifth round. I will say the surprising thing is let's look at their wide receivers and just talk about wide receivers as a whole real quick. McLaurin, Diggs, Edelman, and then their fourth wide receiver, Sterling Shepard. Like, you could definitely wait on wide receiver. This can work, and that's what I wanted to get to, is it? it can work. Like, this team, if you just only looked at the running backs and wide receivers, you'd be like, well, that's not a bad team. That's that's okay. It can serve. And they're obviously led by having the dominance of anybody. Like, nobody can contend with them in quarterbacks. Like, there is not a single team that even comes close. Like, I'm looking at the teams that have two quarterbacks early. The earliest one is Murray and Aaron Rodgers, Dak and Stafford, and Brady and Golf. Oh, God. Ugh. Come on, Andy. It's <laughs> uh, your former coworker. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, but that's the thing. It's like nobody comes close to them. They have such a leg up over everybody else. But the problem is, is like now they have to hit. Like if they miss on one of those running backs, like Jonathan Taylor doesn't do anything as a rookie all year long. It is Marlon Mack's job. Le'Veon Bell's toast and Gase moves on. One of those wire Edelman's toast and doesn't play well with Cam Newton. Like that's the thing is there's so much weight on those picks hitting. And yes, they're easily replaceable compared to the quarterback position. So I say all that to say, like, it, it almost sounds like I'm straddling the fence, which is just, it kind of, I can't, I am. And you can obviously tell me I am, but it's, it can work a hundred percent. Like they look good right now, but if anything goes wrong and like hell, if Russell Wilson goes down, now they're screwed because you're not getting a Russell Wilson. You're not getting a Lamar Jackson. So I just, I'm not fond of it because I would rather. So if instead of them doubling down with Lamar Jackson, and Russell Wilson, if they would have waited till the fourth round, 
That's when Wentz, Brady, Rodgers, Stafford, Breeze, all of them were still yep. on the board. So yep. you go Lamar Jackson, Josh Jacobs, Lamar Jackson, Nick Chubb, Julio Jones, Devontae Adams. Oh, no, that, that was I'm going the wrong way. Anyway, those are around the names that are on the board. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, I do understand what you're saying. Th- that, that's the thing. It's like I just feel like the roster construction is a little bit more solid and you're less risky, um, but it definitely can work. Yeah, one point I make in the column about going QBQB that did not happen for them is that in an ideal world, what you do by making sure those quarterbacks come off the board early is that you grease the wheels at the position yeah. and you force other people to make make the decision at quarterback earlier than they want to. And that just didn't happen for them here. I think that, that the and that's sort of what it leans on is almost faith that other people are going to have to jump in at the position. It didn't happen. After they took Russell Wilson, we saw Deshaun Watson go five picks later, Josh Allen at the end of the third round. Then I got in on the fun. I took Matt Ryan in the middle of the fourth. He was the only quarterback off the board in the fourth round. You only saw three, Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, and Matthew Stafford go in the fifth. So basically, the room just didn't play along with them. (laughs) And if the room did play along with them, then maybe some of those guys we talked about them passing on get pushed back to them, and it becomes a little bit more possible. Right, yeah, some of the better players fall. Instead of, you know, Terry McLaurin, Stefan Diggs is their one-two. Maybe they somehow ended up with, you know, uh, Devontae Parker, Terry McLaurin, or DJ Chark slip, you know, fell back or something like that. So that that's a really good point for it, too, is that you kind of force the rest of the room. This goes, I'll, I'll tell you, Mike, this goes to the argument that I actually had with Pat Mayo on his show. He was making the argument to take uh, Kelsey Kittle to start. And I was like, well, yeah, that can work. And he's like, well, you just you destroy the value for everybody else and you have such a leg up. I said, yes, but you're starting Kittle as your flex. If a value falls, all of a sudden Chris Carson's there in the fifth round or sixth round and you already have two running backs, you can't take it because he's going to your bench. Kittle or blank is going to your bench. It, it ruins part one of the rest of your draft. And then two, to your point, which is I think is a lot – I think that's a really good point, Mike, that I think people need to come back and focus on. It might have just got glossed over like people weren't listening. So I'll repeat what you just said is you're trying to force everybody oh, else to make you. the decision. No, it's really – because that's the argument a lot of people say. It's like, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take my third running back to force everybody else to have to catch up. I'm going to force everybody else. Yes, if they do, if they don't yeah. react, <laughs> it's going to hurt you. If you do the double tight end, Darren Waller fell to the seventh round in one of these drafts. If they don't react for the tight ends and tight ends keep falling, they still get their values – it doesn't help you. You actually hurt yourself. So it's a dangerous game to play. It can definitely work, but if everybody else ignores you and doesn't change their position and doesn't react to your movement, then you're probably just going to be in a tough spot. Yeah, and um, like you said, that could definitely end up being the case if one of these guys, Fournette, Taylor, Bell, McLaurin, Diggs, or Edelman, doesn't end up working out for them. We can look at this uh, from another uh, viewpoint too, and that is one of waiting on a quarterback. Now, we're not going to go super extreme <laughs> Just yet, but we do see some examples of people who waited on the position and ended up with, I think, looks like competitive teams. We have uh, three good examples here. We talked about Andy Barons. He took Brady in the fifth and Jared Goff in the sixth. Maybe not the two guys I would have gone after, but <laughs> two Goff. guys who were out there. Definitely, <laughs> I think we're on the same page when it comes to Jared Goff. Fred Zinke took Joe Burrow in the sixth and Jimmy Garoppolo in the eighth. That was in the same draft as Andy Barron's Superflex 2. And then over in the first one you keep referring to, we can get in on Elliot Chris took Jared Goff in the seventh and Dwayne Haskins in the tenth. Um, 
I would much rather be in Welsh and Bogman's position. <laughs> well, I would yes. much rather be in comparison. that quarterback spot. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, right? If if we're gonna go extreme, we're gonna go to like I would much rather be on that quarterback quarterback train than basically uh, having to cross my fingers at the quarterback position every single week. Well, you missed one too. Chris Raybon, he waited and took Derek Carr and Teddy Bridgewater. Those are his, yeah. his two quarterbacks. With Taysom Hill as his third. So like. I mean, like, look, that's the dangerous game you play here is you make your wide receivers and running backs so good. And often a lot of these people have a really good tight end, too, that it's like, you know what? If I get two quarterbacks that end up being top 15, I'm golden. Uh, I think somebody who actually did it pretty well is Frank Stanfield. He double tapped with Breeze and Roethlisberger back to back at the six, seven turn after having Sanders, Joe Mixon, Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley. And then he double taps with Breeze and Roethlisberger, who we both know. We know. They could both easily finish top 10. Um, so if you look at a draft like that, it could definitely work. And actually, Ronas did the Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow in the fifth, six. I was surprised Burrow went so early in these. Um, but your point is, like, you don't want you, you don't want to jump in early if you miss in Lamar Jackson, Patrick Holmes. If you didn't get involved in that next tier with the Dak Prescott that we were talking about, you do want to wait. But this goes back to what I was saying, is you got to judge and try to figure out when you're going to jump in. For me... I'm going to make sure I get two quarterbacks inside my top 15 or 16. I'm not going to be messing around with Jared Goff and Dwayne Haskins. And everybody knows I'm arguably, along with Emery, one of the biggest Dwayne Haskins fans there is. But he's my third quarterback in all of the leagues I have him in. He's not my second. I'm not going in with him as my second. I'm not going in with you know Garoppolo on a run-first team, which, okay, yeah, maybe they pass a little bit more this year. But what, he's going to throw 25 touchdowns, 26 mm-hmm. touchdowns? Like, that's what we're hoping for. So – as you said, you would much rather be Lamar Jackson or Russell Wilson, but you don't even have to be that. Uh, Mike Randall has Josh Allen and Matthew Stafford. I would take that a thousand times before I started screwing around with Jared Goff and Dwayne Haskins. And I'm not trying to joke Elliot too much because he was joking that he waited. He met, he admitted he waited too long. I wouldn't want to do Derek Carr and Teddy Bridgewater. Derek Carr is no guarantee to have the job the entire year. So <laughs> it's just you, you got to judge, but at the same time, it, it, it's tough because nobody wants to be – let's go back to DVR real quick. Nobody wants to be DVR taking Deshaun Watson and then zero quarterbacks. Well, I'm going go to I'm, I'm edit the podcast right there. When you just say no one wants to be DVR, I'm going to stop it right there. That, no, that's, sorry, the, go ahead. that's the audio clip right there. That's it. Nobody wants yeah. to be DVR. I was going like, to say, if no quarterbacks went between the Deshaun Watson pick and his next pick, that's always the worst feeling. Like you're in a draft, and usually yes. it's not because you're not at the turn. Usually it's around like picks five, six, seven, eight, somewhere in the middle. But you take Deshaun Watson and zero quarterbacks go. And you're like, son of a, I could have waited. Nobody was taking a quarterback. Nobody wants to do it. At the same time, you don't want to go so far as to end up with such a terrible quarterback situation that you might even not have two quarterbacks to start by the middle of the season. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it really is. Um, uh, it's an important point. What I think you said, uh, the biggest thing that you said in that, in, that, uh, in that time right there was that you can't really think about it as I'm going to take this quarterback here or that quarterback there. It's I want two of my top 16. Yeah. I want two guys in my top 16, and however the draft starts to unfold, that's what I am going to be focused on. And that's really um, my number one strategy. So I made the QBQB argument on today's site, but I'm going to be making a few different arguments. I'm just trying to point out viable paths that you can go, and that really is my favorite way to go as well. I don't necessarily want to tie up my resources into good quarterbacks. I think it's more viable this year than it's ever been, which was really the point of my column. But I do think that the best way to do it is to try to get two of those guys. So in an ideal world, you're able to go, you know, backs and receivers the first few rounds, and then you get your QB eight and your QB 14. 
That is the way I mostly want to attack that's how, flex leagues. Yeah, that's that's usually what I end up. And that's uh, so I have uh, my guys article coming out, and mm-hmm. I'm talking about a couple quarterbacks. And what I've been ending up a lot with is I usually try, and I, I'm curious. It's, it's going to be my statement, also seeing if you're saying the same thing with yours, is because I usually fall into that QB eight through fourteen range. I usually pair a Brady, Breeze, Stafford with a Daniel Jones, Gardner Minshew, Cam Newton. Like I'm pairing a high upside guy that maybe things surprise and they break and they become a top five quarterback with somebody that I can trust for the entire season because I know they're like, I'm probably not going to ever go Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow, like just because right. there's so much risk and such a low floor there. So I'm kind of curious if you do the same thing because that's usually how my duo ends up. I did want to go for higher upside uh, with my second quarterback. So just to give you guys all the uh, full disclosure, I got Matt Ryan as my QB1 in my Superflex draft. Uh, what was it? One, two, three rounds later, I end up taking Baker Mayfield as my QB2. Yeah, I like that. And then, yeah, I like that too. I would When I say more upside, I, I wanted to get someone who had maybe a little bit more um, work on the on the ground, right? And the pick right before me on Baker Mayfield was Daniel Jones. And if Daniel Jones were still there and I was able to go with both of them, I'm a big Baker Mayfield fan. I can't say for sure I would have gone Daniel Jones, but that was in my mind, was someone who was going to be able to juice their scoring with what they do with their legs. I do like having Baker Mayfield, though, as my QB, too. Um, so we <laughs> Consensus are in... number five quarterback last year? <laughs> hey, hey, look, Jake, we're all wrong sometimes. We don't need to go back years and pull out all the CJ Anderson. No, 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 no. Picks. All right, my friend. <laughs> that was a, hey, that has nothing to do with, like, look, I had... I had oh, you're talking about the, the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, that's that's how sensitive I still am with my <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Takes no, I had from, Baker from Mayfield inside my top ten as well. Everybody, <laughs> that was my point is that because like so part of my guys Baker Mayfield. I, I talked about Chris Herndon at tight end too. Sneak preview for everybody that's on the site. That you want to go read the article? Is these guys last year that people were going gaga over and something happens? Herndon's an injury. Baker just bombs under Freddie Kitchen. And kitchens and everybody just says, "Well, forget it. Don't want them anymore. Screw it." Mm-hmm. And that's that's what that's what my point was. I wasn't attacking. I had, no, I had Baker inside oh. my top ten as well. <laughs> oh well, I'm still very sensitive about the fact. So I like to, as you, if you look at my super flex rankings, you'll see like I'm gonna stray pretty far from the uh, industry consensus on a few players. And I did that with Baker last year. I actually had Baker as my QB one going into last. Oh season. wow! <laughs> I was buying in. I was buying in on Cleveland. I was really thinking that things were going to take off for them last year. We're always going to do that for you, though, here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We want you to pat us on the back for our good ones, but we can't ask you to do that if we don't also admit to our bad ones. So we will always be fully transparent <laughs> you with were you. Drinking, I was way off on Baker You were Mayfield drinking the college-level Kool-Aid, which, like, double the flavor six times the sugar. You were like, yeah. Oh, the- absolutely. Absolutely. And it was like, it was, it was like, you know, I got the red in there for Oklahoma. I got the orange in there for the Browns. It was it looked really good. It tasted great. And then I had the worst over of my life for the entire rest of the season. You ever put so much flavor in the Kool-Aid packet that like your cheeks become raw after drinking it? Like, you get that, like People know what I'm talking about. I know everybody listening who's ever done it knows exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, man. Well, this year I think things are going to go much better for Baker Mayfield. We're going to temper that with a little bit more water, you know, so we're not getting any bad hangovers. We're not getting the raw cheeks, and things are going to be feeling a lot better, I Can think, I ask for that you a entire question? offense. Yeah, about sure. this, so this, uh, sticking with the Superflex quarterback, 
if you're in a position where you are DVR, Ronis, they were at the opposite ends of the turns, uh, Barons and Stample were the opposite, mm -hmm. even like 11 or number two. So because you see a couple of this is actually Welsh and Bogman were the two that did, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. When you have picks that – well, actually, no, that doesn't work because they did opposite ends of the draft rooms or draft uh, rounds. But if you are near that turn range, do you ever double tap to say, you know what, I got 18, 20, 22 picks before I come back around. Let me double tap. Play that like what you talked about before. Play that like maybe I force the room to start jumping in mm -hmm. on the position and then I don't get stuck waiting for this run and then all of a sudden I'm screwed. Do you like – because in a super flex, I will almost always near the turn, if I'm 1, 2, 11, or 12, I will almost always double tap because I'm just – Honestly, not playing scared. It's just almost a guarantee that you're going to get stuck in some type of run. And if six quarters, seven quarterbacks mm -hmm. go off the board, you're screwed when it comes back around to you. Yeah, if I could build an ideal super flex draft after the fact, it always looks like having a pick on the turn and then using the turn five, six, let's say, to get Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger, just to use a, a real example, Frank Stample here. And I'm like, off the top of my head, I would have assumed. And this draft happened a week ago. I'd already forgotten. I would have assumed when you brought them back up that that's what it was, that it was a turn pick, that it was a 5-6 right. or a 7-8, something like that. It wasn't for them. Right? They took Drew Brees in the sixth, and then a full two rounds later at the end of the seventh, Ben Roethlisberger is still sitting there for them. But in general, that's what I want to do. And you can't guarantee it, right? You can't, just like, you, like, just like Welsh and Bogman couldn't guarantee that they would grease those quarterback wheels after taking uh, Lamar and Russ with their first two picks. You can't guarantee that I'm going to be the 12th pick and when the 5-6 turn comes around, there's going to be two great quarterbacks sitting there for me, and I'm going to be sitting pretty. But I do think that the best super flex teams, uh, you know, maybe three times out of five, that's how they build their team. They get a, a strong first three picks, and then they go quarterback, quarterback, 5-6, or they're on the other end of the draft, and they get a strong uh, first, what would that be? Maybe, um, like, yeah, three picks and then four, five, or their first five picks and 6-7. They end up going QB, QB, and sitting in a pretty good spot. Like I think like, let's look at Andy. Let's use Andy Barron's in Superflex do uh, for an example, right? Let's say he doesn't take Tom Brady at 5.01. Let's say he goes Le'Veon Bell, Adam Phelan, someone you and I both like a lot. He only had DeAndre Hopkins as a running back. Let's say he goes Adam Phelan there. Then six, seven comes back around to him and he's still looking at Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, Ben Roethlisberger, Jared Goff, who, you know, we're out on, but you know, still is viewed widely as a top 20 quarterback. If he just substitutes those guys in, and he doesn't take Tom Brady. He's got Adam Thielen there. And now 6-7, he goes Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield. I think that is a really nice core for a team. So, yes, a long-winded answer to say, yes, <laughs> I love when I'm on the ends. That's my ideal. I want to be on the ends and be able to double-tap two guys that are like my QB 11 and QB 16. Or I want to be in the middle knowing that I'm likely going to be able to react to any quarterback run that happens. Yeah, it's funny you said that, too. It's because a lot of people ask me, what's your favorite draft position? And in a normal draft, I'll say three or four because I want, you know, Barkley, Zeke, Cook, you know, whoever's there. Mm -hmm. I'd rather just make the last choice or maybe the second to last choice and get the quicker turnaround in the second round. But when people ask me, like, that's the thing is I'll say like a super flex to your point. I want one, two, 11 or 12 because I want to be able to make that move. Yeah, and uh, it's a great spot to be. And we saw a few people be able to carry that out in ways that have them looking like very strong contenders for a Flex League championship and a great belt from Fantasy Jocks. Yes. Now, before we wrap things up here, a quick word from our partners at Indochino. 
All right, Jake, one more big thing to hit on in Superflex Leagues. It's the idea of a QB3. I don't think anyone who has played fantasy football for literally more than one year would ever draft a third quarterback in a regular league, but I also think that you have to have one. I never leave a Superflex draft without three starting quarterbacks because what if something happens to one of your first two guys? It just can't work out. I mean, look at last year. Derek Carr was the QB 26 in points per game. And in standard scoring leagues, he put up 16.6 points per game. I mean, how many running backs and wide receivers in regular half PPR leagues put up that number every single year? It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. So you always want a quarterback in that super flex spot. Nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100 is probably a better way to say it. You want a quarterback in that super flex spot. As you said at the beginning of the show, the super flex spot rather than a second quarterback is just to give people flexibility because of buys, because of injuries, whatever. But you almost always want a quarterback in that spot. So I am always going to be someone who's aggressive in drafting my third quarterback. I did that in this, as I said, Matt Ryan for me in the fourth round, Baker Mayfield for me in the seventh round. And then in the 10th round, I took Sam Darnold. I actually came out of this with four quarterbacks in the 16th round. I took Mitch Trubisky because, hey, he could start. (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen in Chicago. Mitch Trubisky could be the guy there all year. But I think no matter what, you want a third quarterback. (laughs) I assume you're on the same page here with this. And I just want to know, when do you jump in on QB3? Well, so I was going to say, I'm glad you said no matter what, because I will say there is actually a matter what occasionally because it happened to me. And I'll give you, for example, it's a best bowl, the pros versus Joe's. It's on the FFPC if anybody plays in those high stake ones. But it was 18 rounds best ball. 18. 18 is so slim for a best ball mm-hmm. that I came out with Matt Ryan and Daniel Jones and I said, screw it, I'm not drafting a third quarterback. Because you're in a best ball, you're challenging everybody, you basically have, it's like first or last, you don't care if you finish third. Um, so I kind of looked at it where it's the fact, like, if I lose one of my quarterbacks, I'm kind of screwed anyway. Like, that's the thing. I agree with you. In your typical league like this, you, know, you can make roster moves. I will, unless the price becomes exorbitant. You know, I mean, there's somewhere, you know, like I like I said, I have Dwayne Haskins as my third quarterback in almost all my super flex because you're getting him to 10th, 11th, 12th round. If he starts jumping the seventh round and like Drew Locke and Bridgewater and Haskins and Tyrod are all going in the eighth, ninth round, I might not have a third quarterback. I mm-hmm. want to. I would, so I would say nine out of 10 times because your point, like you just said, is even if you took you know, the worst quarterback, like even if you take Daniel Jones on one of his weeks where he only scored seven points because of the turnovers, seven points is still around like probably what your flex spot is starting. Like you got to think about the guys that are you're plugging into those spots, especially during buys. So that's a really good point. But I'll say there is an occasion where I won't. And that's a, you know, that's a rare one. And not everybody's going to obviously play best balls and they're not going to play in best balls with only 18 rounds. But I just to say, like there is the rare occasion where, I'm not. Hey, hey, you know what's funny is on that team too because I went and made sure I got eight running backs and eight wide receivers. That team also had Darius uh-huh. guys, so I also lost one of my running backs already. So fortunately, I have the depth. Yeah. So I mean, that's a that's a very unique example. I would say so unique that I actually let myself say very unique when that <laughs> is uh, not something that's actually possible. Unique, <laughs> unique, but I think you need to get a QB three, right? And let me. Yes. So we'll use my team as the example. When I took Sam Darnold in the tenth round. Look, I don't want to make that pick. No one wants to make that pick. But, I mean, look at who is still on the board. Deontay Johnson. Everyone likes Deontay Johnson. Henry Ruggs. Zach Moss. We can see the uh, we can see the upside there. Tevin Coleman. Still going to get used in San Francisco. Darius Slayton. 
I want to get a piece of those Giants receivers because I think one of them is going to end up having a pretty good year. Debo Samuel, I'm willing to, to wait for him to come back with, from the foot injury, knowing what the upside is if he's able to surmount it. Anthony Miller, Antonio Gibson, who even at the time, this was before the Darius Geis release, was still someone who was very interesting. Like, point is, there were a lot of attractive players, and in general, more attractive than Sam Darnold. But you have to bite the bullet and do it because here were the quarterbacks who were still available at that time. Uh, the next, Just the next quarterbacks drafted. Uh, you have Tyrod Taylor. You still have Dwayne Haskins, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tua Tagovailoa. Clearly, the quarterback position was dwindling, and I had to get in because I don't want to be stuck not starting a quarterback at that position. So if you're new to Superflex, drafting your QB3 will be uncomfortable. I promise you. But... It is the right thing. And if you feel discomfort in it, just trust yourself. Trust me and Jake. It's the right thing to do. You got to do it. You got to do it, right, Jake? You have to. I was going to say, we get out of here on that, but one more quick question for you. Do you, as because of Superflex, do you try to avoid having your first two quarterbacks on the same bye? No, I still don't concern myself with buys too much. Um, obviously, it's not ideal, but I... I the way to say it is that I am still drafting my quarterbacks. I'm still drafting the quarterbacks high up enough that um, I, I will deal with the bye week similarities if I have to because those are the two guys uh, who I want the most. Those are the two guys who <laughs> I still want. Just don't draft two quarterbacks in the same bye and then don't draft the third quarterback. Right. You definitely don't want to do that. Or you could just cash in one week and say, all right, this is a loss. I'll deal with it. I I'll take that the loss one year. I, I, it was how the draft was falling. I didn't even you know, realize it through halfway through. I was like, oh, my God, I have like six guys on week eight bye. And then I used it as a tiebreaker for a few more picks. I'm like, instead of avoiding it as a tiebreaker, I was like, I'll lean into it. And basically, I have like 95% of my roster for the other you know, 12 weeks. And that was the only week I lost. And I say, it can work. It's like, that's not why it worked. But, you know, it could work. Yeah. Anything can work as long as you get the right players, right? Isn't that the uh, isn't that the slogan yeah. of the fantasy football? Of course, league? if you draft the perfect team, of course it could work. <laughs> anything, anything. Right? That's the, that's the strategy. We could have just saved everyone forty five minutes here. <laughs> yeah. Just said draft a perfect super. Yes, yeah. don't screw up your draft. Done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it. We are done here for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. The subscriptions are great. Obviously, we love it. You love it too. These del- episodes get delivered right to you. If if you subscribe, but the ratings and reviews, those mean a lot to us as well. So we'd really appreciate it if you've been enjoying this to take out the time to rate and review. You can still get 40% off your first year subscription to The Athletic if you visit theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod. For Jake Seeley, I am Michael Beller. The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast with Emery Hunt and Nando Defino will be with you tomorrow. Jake, me, and Brandon returning from vacation. We'll talk with you on Wednesday. Until then, have a great day, and thanks for listening. Thank you.